Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. I'm excited for the word that God gave me. I'm excited today. Um, there's, there's different types of messages, I feel. Uh, some, I feel, squeeze me uh, when I have to deliver a message. And, 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 and this is one of those that squeezes me. And so I, I, I want to preface that if it squeezes me, it'll probably squeeze you. And I know I'm a, I look a little more squeezable than some of y'all, but y'all need to get squeezed today, okay? Y'all need to get squeezed, okay? We need, we need some squeezing uh, because this is, this is a message that I do believe can and will challenge us. For those of you who are just joining us, online, those of you uh, who are with us for the first or second time today, we in the month of February are on a sermon series. Today is part three of our series entitled Spaces. And, and spaces, very simply put, is the intersection between two people and the Holy Spirit. In 2022, Relove Church is counting claiming and celebrating 10,000 spaces. So by the end of this year, we want to look back and say, hey, we have heard from the people of Relove that they have connected 10,000 times with the people in their life. Not just with the people in church, not just, not just with the people at work. We want you to connect with everyone in your life. And our, our, our goal is that the promise of God from Matthew 18 that this goal is set on will actually become manifest in your life. Where, where Christ says to his disciples in Matthew 18 verse 20 that where two or more are gathered, I will be there among you through the person of the Holy Spirit. This is a promise he made 2,000 years ago, a promise that still stands today. So if you feel far from God, I wanna ask, how close are you to his people? This month and this year, we are dedicating our focus and our energy toward looking into scripture to understand how the Holy Spirit works when we connect with one another. As we connect with one another. I'm gonna pray, we're gonna jump in the word. Uh, and ask that God be with us. Father, we're grateful for the opportunity for fellowship today. Not just fellowship with you, but fellowship with one another. God, each person that's come through the threshold of this door, you've done a special thing to bring them here on today. And because of that, we rejoice. And we look forward to the time we can spend together. I pray for openings of hearts, God, for clarity of mind, and for focus as you speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I invite you to open your, your word to the book of Acts in the New Testament. Acts, we're going to be looking in chapter 16. We're also going to be putting scriptures up on the screen as well, if that's a little bit uh, more accessible to you. But the book of Acts, chapter 16, beginning in verse 13. Uh, and I'm going to read quite a bit. I, I want to read uh, uh, three different sections. Today's message is going to, I'm taking the, the, the chapter of Acts and targeting three different sections to really see how through the movement of the Holy Spirit and the life of Paul and Silas, we can recognize the way God can work in our lives today. Okay, so our two main characters today are Paul and Silas, and we're picking it up in verse 13 of uh, the book of Acts in chapter 16. It says, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Verse 15, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. 
In verse 16, it says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept us up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he came that so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her and the spirit left her. Now I want to jump to verse 22 and pick it up there. It says that the crowd then joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Verse 24, when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners and were listening. The other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Verse 28, but Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, and you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in the house. All the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer looked, took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household was baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Today we're talking about unexpected spaces. Unexpected spaces. Last week we were visited by a, a, uh, a very special uh, um, uh, attorney friend of ours, uh, Pastor Charles Eaton, who delivered a powerful message, really, really challenging us to hold each other accountable in our Christian fellowship. Um, it, it, there, there, were, there were elements of his, of his sermon that resonated so well with where we are in issues of social justice, with equity for marginalized people, like black, brown people, with, like women. Um, and, 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 and his message was one that really spoke to the spirit of, of surrender that a Christian can have in their attitude to one another. When I say surrender, I mean, hey, I'm going to submit myself to accountability with another person and his message was one that demonstrated how in the absence of that surrender and in the absence of that accountability, true life can be lost. True life can be lost. Today, as we search the scripture and we look through Acts chapter 16, we recognize um, that not only are spaces ones that we create, that we set out to, to say, hey, I'm going to go connect with my brother and sister, or I'm going to go to church and make sure I'm in fellowship, but you can also experience unexpected spaces as well. And sometimes those unexpected spaces are the ones that we least recognize the movement of the Spirit in. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes those unexpected spaces are the ones where we least recognize the movement of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we have expectations. 
I wake up in the morning with an intent to do something, with an intent to go somewhere, because I plan to achieve something. We, 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 we create plans for our lives and structure our time in a way that meets those plans and those objectives. When something hinders that movement, we are disappointed. When something hinders that movement, we are frustrated. We become discouraged. Why? Because we have expectations. When something about the, the, the movement of those around us infringes upon our freedom to move, we get hurt. We get angry. We get upset. Why? Because we have expectations. And sometimes we'd rather just live our lives in a way where we can continue and do what we plan to do, set out in our A, B, and C, and let it lead us to X, Y, and Z, and that would be the life we'd rather live. But, but, no, no, no. God moves through unexpected spaces as well. When we look at the first part of this scripture in Acts 16, we recognize that Paul and Silas are on a mission, right? And it says that on the Sabbath, they entered into the city gate to the river where they expected to find a place of prayer. But it says that we sat down and began to speak to the woman who had gathered, to the women who had gathered there. Now, now there's something I want you to recognize about this scenario. One, that, that this is the city of Philippi. Okay, in the city of Philippi, if the women were gathering there for prayer and Christian fellowship, it's likely that there were not a lot of men in that city. Why were there not a lot of men in that city? Because these women were having church by the city gate and not in a synagogue. And in those times, the law required that you had to have a certain number of men to actually have a synagogue. So the fact that they're having church by the city gate and not in a synagogue is an indicator that there probably were not that many men there in that place. The city of Philippi is where the Lord had sent Paul and Silas. It wasn't where Paul and Silas planned to go, and we'll get more into that later. But, but, but what we see is that there is a presence, a spiritual presence, and a power that was produced through the fellowship of these women sitting by the city gate, engaging in fellowship with one another. What I want us to recognize, though, is that Paul and Silas are preachers, okay? They're preachers, they're evangelists. As they enter into this city, what do they do? It says simply, we sat down and began to speak with the women who gathered there. It didn't say we sat down and began to teach, it doesn't say we sat down and began to preach. It doesn't say that we sat down and began to evangelize or baptize. It said, speak to the women there, to speak. And I know that in our effort to create spaces, some of us are intimidated by what we see happen at church. We're intimidated by the influence of spiritual authority in our life. And so we feel, hey, I'm not a preacher. I didn't go to school. I don't really have it like that to go talk to people I don't know about the Bible. It didn't say they talked about the Bible. This is what I'm trying to get us to understand is spaces is all about human connection. And in your and you can't not be human. You don't have a choice. If you want to connect with another person, you're not going to do it as anything but human. It's about human connection. It simply says that we sat down to speak. Listen, conversational evangelism is some of the most powerful ways that God moves in the lives of other people. We're talking about spaces. We're talking about creating opportunities for people to share the Holy Spirit. You see in this story that what these men did was simply sit down and talk to the women. 
I want you to understand and begin thinking as you're trying to build and create your own spaces and you go on this journey with us in 2022 to really, really be light in your community and in your family and, and, and create spaces where the Holy Spirit can move. You do not, you are not disqualified by your lack of knowledge. You are not disqualified by your lack of skills. You are not disqualified because you are a woman. You are not disqualified by any matter of who you are because all you need to do to let the Holy Spirit move through you is connect with another person. That's it. Verse 14 says that the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. It doesn't say that they really liked what Paul and Silas said. No, verse 14 says that the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Listen, that's why we're telling you that all you need to do is show up. Creating the space where the spirit moves is the spirit's work. We see that through their commitment to engage in conversation with strangers that they walk by in their journey, we see that God had already been doing a work in Lydia's life. Lydia is the woman who gave her life to God at the end of their conversation, right? Her conviction was not one that Paul brought to them. Her, listen to me. Her conviction was not one that Paul brought to him. If we baptize someone up here in the water, that's not something we did. That's something that the Spirit did. So when we're talking about spaces, I want us to understand that all you have to do is show up. I want to remind you that you are on a journey. You're on a spiritual journey. The people with whom you encounter, they are on a spiritual journey. With or, without, with, with or without each other, you're going to be on that journey. All you're doing is intersecting journeys. And that's where the Holy Spirit wants to meet you so that through you, the spirit in you can connect to the spirit of another person. We're talking about spaces. Conversion and conviction is the work of the spirit. It is not the work of man. The work of the Spirit is conversion and conviction. It's not your job to do. That's the work of God. So I, I, I want us to think in the hearts of those around you, who has a seed waiting to be watered? If we're all on a journey, who has a seed that they're carrying in their heart? They're within your contact. They're within your reach. But you refuse to talk to them, so their seed dries up. I'm being dramatic. I'm really just talking the facts here. I'm really just talking the facts. We have seeds. Do you know that if after a certain amount of time that a seed is buried, if it does not receive the correct amount of water, if it's not soil, is not saturated where that seed is, that seed will dry up? Who in your life is waiting for you to connect with them? But because you'd rather not engage in conversation with someone you don't know or with a person with whom you have some sort of negative experience, because you, you, you'd rather stay to yourself. Oh, I'm an introvert. I get to use that excuse. Or I'm an extrovert and I used all my energy today. I'm done. That's not the way it works. Simple conversational evangelism is some of the most powerful times you can create spaces that we see in Scripture. And I want you guys to see this. This woman, Lydia, God was doing something. It says that God opened her heart. At the end of this conversation, it says that she, 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 she gave her heart to God. Then it actually says that she and the members of her household were baptized. And then it says that she invited Paul and Silas to their home. I want you to see the pattern here. I want you to see the pattern. This woman was approached by two people 
who were willing to create a space. That space created in her change in heart. That change in heart created in her family a change of heart. Then what do we see? That woman come and calling those men to go to her home. She actually says, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. So what we see is that when there's a true encounter with the Holy Spirit, that person then wants to reproduce that encounter in their personal space, in their home. And that's why I ask you, where are you gathering in your home to create church? If you are plugged in here at Relove and you are experiencing the movement of the Spirit and you feel like you're on a spiritual journey with us, but you are not creating space in your home to share that journey with other people, how authentic is your journey? Is it simply behavior modification that creates the illusion of holiness? Or are you on a true journey of sanctification? Because she invited these men to her home. She wanted, she said, hey, I've experienced the spirit in my connectivity with you. I want more of that. I'm going to open my home to you. We see this all throughout the book of Acts and, and in the New Testament. Listen, when you create space for conversation, you're creating space for God to make transformation. This woman's heart was transformed simply in conversation. When you create space for conversation, you're creating space for God to create transformation. Listen, verse 15, verse 15, it says that when she, had, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer the Lord's, of the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. She persuaded us. We, we, we need to recognize that, that God will actually redirect you to the gaps that he's creating in the lives of other people. There's a you-sized gap in your neighbor's life. There's a you-sized gap in your friend's life. There's a you-sized gap in your coworker's life. But in our unwillingness to simply, simply share conversation, that gap closes and now is a missed opportunity for that person to experience the Holy Spirit. No one comes to God alone. There's influence of other people. There's fellowship. You may not have come to God via church, but you did not come to God alone. And when you pursue him, God will place in your path the people he wants you to bring along with him. Listen, I want you guys to understand something. Now, we didn't read this in the first part of the chapter, but in verse 6, it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So they set out to go to Asia, but the Holy Spirit intervened and said, no, I'm going to keep you from going to Asia. The Holy Spirit redirected Paul and Silas to Philippi. Now, by the end of this sermon, the end of this chapter, we recognize why the Holy Spirit did that. But when you see very closely, the Spirit would not allow them. Verse 7 continues. It says, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So back to back, we see two times the Spirit is closing a door. How many of you guys have experienced a closed door in your life? 
How many of you have experienced a no when you thought it was a yes? And then you looked at God and said, God, if you were good, it would have been a yes. So now you've placed God in a box where you're saying, God, you're only going to be God to me if you're giving me the yeses as I expect them. Why? Because we have expectations. But we, as, as Christians, have to be open and willing and malleable and flexible and adaptable, not to be discouraged by our, our moments when the Holy Spirit is closing the door like we see done for Paul and Silas here, but to be open to what God is doing in the lives of those around us. Listen, the no's in your life are some of the biggest indicators that there's someone in your presence who needs you. The no's in your life are some of the biggest indicators that there's someone in your presence who needs you. God will redirect you in your journey the same way he redirected Paul and Silas and said, no, you're not going to Asia right now. I'm sending you to Philippi because I have someone there who has a U-shaped gap in their heart and I need you to fill it. Listen, when you create space for conversation, God creates space for transformation. I want to move on to the next part of this story. So we just looked at Lydia. Lydia, that was a positive Space. Lydia gave her life to Christ. She opened up her home to these travelers. Lydia, Lydia's family gave their life to Christ as a result of their experience in the space that Paul and Silas provided with her. But this next space is a little bit different. Some unexpected spaces are great. Lydia's is a good example. Some unexpected spaces can, can, can be more confrontational. Let's look at the confrontational space that Paul and Silas experience right after their encounter with Lydia. Verse 16 says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. So I, I want to make it clear here. What she's actually doing is, is she's taunting them. She's following these men closely because as they go through the city, she's saying, hey, look at these guys. They think they know the way. They're telling you how to be saved. Ha, ha, ha. It wasn't a, a positive proclamation. It was a proclamation of taunt, a, 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 a proclamation of belittlement. And we see this as, as we look in the original language. Um, but we also know this because what, what does it say? It says a few verses later, it says that Paul and Silas endured this for days. She followed them for days doing this before Paul confronted her. Paul confronted her. He turned and he cast this demon out of her. And that led to the next problem that he encountered and the reason why they were jailed. Because see, this woman was enslaved twice. She was enslaved physically to an owner but then she was enslaved spiritually to a demon. Uh, some of us are connected to one thing that we consider our bondage and don't recognize there's actually a spiritual undergirding for the, 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 the lack of liberty we're experiencing in our lives. This woman now is enslaved two ways, spiritually and physically. We can look at this and we recognize that through Paul and Silas's willingness to exist in confrontational spaces, this woman was healed. Not every space is just going to be conversational. Some spaces are going to be confrontational. And some of the confrontational spaces that we avoid are the ones where God wants to set someone free through you. Somebody is waiting to exchange confrontation with you. We are taught 
to avoid confrontation. So many of us in our communication styles, we would rather not engage in confrontation because our we've been taught to believe that if we don't agree, then it's bad. That only bad fruit can come from the tree of disagreement. But from the tree of disagreement, there exists a seed by which you plant a new tree. That new tree is now a tree of understanding. And that tree of understanding is what breaks chains. That tree of understanding is what enables you to move into new places that God is calling you. That tree of understanding is what gives you the social awareness and the, and, and the malleability and the, the navigability to actually move in the spaces around you with people who are different than you. With people who are challenging to you. With people who are confronting you. When you create space for confrontation. When you create space for confrontation, God creates space for restoration. We see this woman was healed. We see this woman had a demon cast out of her. What if every time we encountered a person, what if every time we encountered a person with whom we're, we disagree or you got, y'all go to work, man, you know you have that one person at work, you're just like, I'm not trying to hear it today. I'm not going to go. I don't need no coffee that bad that I'm going to go share a space in that break room to get that coffee with this person I ain't trying to hear it from. We all have that person. Some of y'all sitting next to that person. Don't say nothing. Go say, you just can't look straight forward. Look straight, just look right here. All eyes on me. Because listen, some of us are existing in spaces every day with people that are constantly confronting us, that we're challenged by, that we're experiencing arguments with always. Listen, those are some of the places where God wants to do work, not just through you in the life of another person. Listen, God wants to do a work in you. Because those are the type of relationships that serve as reflections of yourself. Through those confrontational spaces, you have the opportunity to recognize your character flaws, your lack of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You have the opportunity to actually look face to face in the mirror with the parts of your character that God is trying to work on. It's not all just about the other person when you're a Christian. Sometimes God wants to use those around you to do a work in you. These are confrontational spaces. And the truth of the matter is conflict management and the skills that you have are actually indicators of your spiritual maturity. If you cannot sit with some conflict with another person long enough to to learn something through it or to have a part of your character nurtured by it or to teach someone something, if you cannot exist and sit in conflict, I want to question, is there fruit in your spirit? Is there fruit in your spirit? The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 says spirit, it's, it's, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How are you suffering long with someone in your long suffering? <laughs> or are we so conflict avoidant that we would rather not even share a space with a person with whom we experience confrontation? I want you to ask yourself, is there fruit in my spirit that the spirit has put there? That fruit is waiting to be cultivated. That fruit is waiting, and you just won't go into the spaces where you're going to get the sun, where you're going to get the water to help that seed grow in your heart. When you create space for confrontation, God creates space for restoration. Who in your life is standing in the need of healing? that the Holy Spirit wants to deliver to them through you. These are 
confrontational spaces. Paul and Silas walked into a great space. It was a conversational space. But right after that, they walked into a a more difficult space, a a confrontational space. But there's a third type of space that I want to look at here uh, as we continue in verse 22 of Acts 16. And this is a, 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 a complicated space. A complicated space. And I think a lot of you will probably be able to recognize in your own life or your past history how you've experienced a complicated space. It says in verse 22 that the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. Let me stop back up a little bit. Um, the verses that we skipped basically uh, says in, in verse 19, let me just read it. Verse 19 says, when her owners realized, so the woman had the demon cast out by Paul and Silas. Verse 19 says, when her owners realized that, the, that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. See, what we see here is, is, is that, that, that the journey that Paul and Silas had, the, the journey that God had Paul and Silas on is one that disrupted the status quo of the places they were going. Christians. It disrupted the status quo of the economic system. It showed the people of this city in Philippi that, hey, the message that these men carry can actually compromise our economic structure because that owner of that slave could no longer make money through the gift that she had or through the possession that she had. So when you are in your life and you're entering into different spaces as a Christian, but you're leaving that place the same way you found it, How are you actually being a Christian in that space? If you are not compromising the strongholds that the enemy has on the lives of those around you, how are you being a Christian in that space? If when you enter into a room, you are not bringing God with you, how then are you being a Christian? Because listen, if God is actually in you, people around you will experience life change. That does not look like baptism all the time. That does not always look like a a, a hand raised in praise. That does not always look the way we think it will look. It may look simply like a spirit of negativity has fallen off that person today, and they, through you, saw something to be positive about. It may look like increased understanding, like, wow, not all Christians are cuckoo. (laughs) It may just look like you are exposing them to something that they haven't experienced before. When you are in your spaces at work, at home, in school, in your community, at Starbucks, your coffee shop, when you're at the hairdresser, how are you rubbing shoulders with people in a way where God can see the Christ in you? If there is no disruption of the status quo taking place in the spaces you are experiencing, where is God in you? This is for the Christians. I ain't talking to everybody with this. This is for the Christians. Verse 22 says, The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Verse 24, we're going to lay our hat here. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Now, now, this jailer did... Did, did, did one thing right and he did one thing wrong. He had one job. This jailer's job was simply to make sure that these prisoners do not escape. That was the jailer's job. Make sure these prisoners do not escape. They were ordered by the magistrate to be locked away. The jailer's job is to make sure these prisoners do not escape. He did one thing right and he did one thing wrong. The thing he did wrong, right was that he put them in stocks in the inner cell. What is the thing he did wrong? 
Let's look at verse 24. Look at verse 24 with me. Verse 24 says, when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. He did one thing right and one thing wrong. He put them in the inner cell and put them in stocks. That's what he did right. What did he do wrong? He put, this is what he did wrong. He put them in the inner stocks. He put them in the inner cell. He put them in stocks. He put those, he had, he had the nerve to put two men of God in the same place. Listen, listen, listen. The enemy don't want to fight you one-on-one. The enemy don't want to fight you with, with, with your brothers and sisters. The enemy don't want to be in this place, not today. The enemy wants you one-on-one. The enemy wants you with your back in the corner, with your hands tied up. He wants you in your darkest moment of discouragement. The enemy wants to find midnight with you alone. If it's midnight with your brother or sister, it's okay. The enemy don't want nothing to do with that, but the enemy wants to fight you alone. Did y'all know there's a study? There's a study that was done where they put two monkeys in a cage. And they actually attempted to measure the cortisol levels, which is the, the hormone that comes from fear, and, 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 and measure the cortisol levels of, of these monkeys by rattling the cage. They would do series of lights, loud sounds, and, and, and different sensory stimuli. And they measured the cortisol levels of the monkeys when they were separate. And then they measured the cortisol levels of the monkeys when they were together. And the together cortisol levels were less than half of what they were when they were alone. If you got to be locked up in a cage, you better be with someone. Look to the person next to you and say, be my monkey. Be my monkey. I need me a monkey. I need me a monkey. The enemy, the enemy, the enemy never should have let those men get locked up together. I'm trying to tell you, listen, the enemy never should have let you come to church today. Look to the person next to you and say, I'm here. The enemy don't want nothing to do with you. Because you're in the place of the Lord, you're surrounded by Christian fellowship where two or more are gathered, the Spirit of the Lord is there as well. And the enemy cannot infiltrate that space. The enemy cannot be there in that space. Acts Acts 6.25 says, they began praying and singing hymns. They began praying and singing him. How in your darkest moments are you praying and singing hymns? You have to understand the complication of these men's situation. They enter into a new place. First of all, they tried to go to Asia. Holy Spirit shut it down, said, nope, go somewhere else. So now they're going somewhere else. They enter into a city, had a good space experience with Lydia. Lydia's converted. Her family's converted. Hey, we're doing good. Now we go into another another place, and now this demon-possessed woman is here bothering us, and now there's healing that comes from that. As a result of that healing, now they've ended up in prison. They've been beaten and flogged. Their backs are raw and bloody. They're locked in stocks together, and it's midnight. It don't get no more complicated than that how in your complicated situations are you praying and praising and I know it's hard to say that when you're really really facing some true life-threatening circumstances I don't want to diminish anybody's experiences with pain or difficulties but I do want to uplift and elevate your perspective because what we see in these men is that they did not allow their prison to become their perspective They were not imprisoned by their perspective. Rather, they allowed their perspective to determine their prison. And you as a Christian, you have that same power. These men are locked in stocks, but you know what they did? It says, y'all should have not put us in the cell together. Y'all should have muzzled our mouths. 
because we can still praise. Because listen, sometimes God wants you to use what's loose, okay, to break the chains on what's not free. Sometimes God wants you to open your mouth and praise in your situations in times when your feet are stuck. Your feet, your feet can be stuck. God, I can move my mouth still. Enemy, you don't want nothing to do with me because I still know songs. I still know my scripture. I still know my word. I still know these songs. And so you see that Paul and Silas are using what is free to loose what is bound. And how are you in your life in your darkest midnight moments? Tapping into the power you have in Christian fellowship with one another to break chains in your life. But what I love about this is it's not just chains in our life, it's chains in the lives of those around us. See, because what we see is that not just were Paul and Silas freed, but all of the prisoners were freed. They were all set free. See, because what happened was it wasn't just that the chain was broken with some lock cutters. No, no, it says that the earth shook, that the ground shook. Some of us are standing on some wobbly, unstable ground. And right now we're recognizing the instability of the ground. Is God not with us? God, why aren't you with me? I'm experiencing this earthquake. God, this is scary. God, this, God say, I'm shaking the ground under you because I need to free those around you. But I'm just using your circumstances to do it. God wants to use your circumstances and the spaces that you're existing in with other people. I don't care how confrontational they are. I don't care how complicated they are. God can use your situation to shake the ground of the people around you to bring freedom and liberty to the lives of those with whom you're sharing spaces. You have a power as a believer that if you leverage with intentionality, you're going to do more in your life than a preacher could ever do from this pulpit. You have a power as a believer that if you leveraged intentionally, you would do more for God in your life than a preacher could ever do from a pulpit. Where one person is suffering, there should be another person suffering with them. It's easy to let your chains the difficulties, the darkness. It's easy to let your chains break your praise. I know this. But God's calling you to let your praise break your chains. And it's not something that's expected of you to do alone. It's not something that God says, hey, I just need you to do it. But he says, no, when you stay connected to the fellowship, when you stay in constant and close community, when you're journeying in this Christian walk together, you will have a power you would not otherwise have. Your perspective is either your prison or it's your passport that enters you into the next part of the journey God is calling you to. Your perspective is the thing that confines you to the way things are or they release you to the way things God wants them to. To be, But if you're existing in fellowship by yourself, that's not fellowship. And so your perspective cannot be changed. It cannot be influenced. Your perspective will not be lifted. It will not be elevated. God can likely not use your perspective if you're in an isolated space alone to change the things around you. I'll tell you what's so powerful about this story that we just experienced three spaces, one conversational, one confrontational, and one complicated. We recognize from this last one that when you create space for complication, God creates space for liberation. For you and for those around you. 
But what's so powerful about all of this? That God saw from the beginning. What we, we recognize in the beginning of the chapter that it says the Holy Spirit closed the door on Asia. So he wouldn't let Paul and Silas go there. It says the Holy Spirit stopped them from entering into the new land that they intended to go. And rather he redirected them to the city of Philippi. Let me tell you why it's, this is a praiseworthy story. Because now in the city of Philippi, what I want you to understand is what has happened. This jailer has been set free. This jailer has been set free. If you go on to read, and we're not going to, but in, in verses 29, with a 29 through 34, it says that it says that that this jailer is freed. What then happens? He goes to kill himself. He has a sword to his neck because he recognizes that the magistrate gave him a job. He didn't do the job, so he's going to end his life. Otherwise, he's going to suffer more. So what happens? Paul and Silas. Now what they do is, is they say, "Stop! Don't kill yourself." And the jailer falls on his hands and feet and faces them and praises your God. I want to know your God. That jailer says. That jailer says, I want to know this God who shook the ground underneath you. I want to know this God who heard you in your midnight hour. I want to know this God who listened to those hymns you were singing. I want to know this God who responded to the prayers that you were praying. That's the God I want to know. Paul and Silas then showed him that God. That jailer gave his life to that God. Then that jailer did what Lydia did and said, hey, Paul and Silas, come to my home. And he invited them to share a space in their home along with them. What happens then? The jailer's family, just like Lydia's family, gave their life to God. So way at the beginning, these men had expectations. We're talking about unexpected spaces. These men expected to enter into a land to do a work that they thought they were commissioned to do. God redirects them because sometimes the difficulties in your life are not barriers. They're direction signs. Go the other way. That relationship didn't work out because, hey, I have a person of God for you over here. No, no, hey, that job didn't work out because, hey, I need you to get connected to this job over here because there's people who are lost and need you, right? These men are redirected. The, Lydia gives her life to Christ. The woman who's possessed is healed. The jailer is set free. The jailer invites them to the home. He sets all of the family free. All of the family now is saved. Now what do we see? What do we see? As you go through the rest of the book of Acts, you recognize that there was no synagogue in Philippi, remember? There was no synagogue. The women were meeting down by the river because there was no synagogue. Guess what? Now there's a synagogue because we see through the rest of the scripture that, 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 that the jailer and his family and his wife become the first evangelists in the city of Philippi that the church in Philippi started through the jailer and his family and extra biblical sources and exegesis actually says that these this family goes and connects at Lydia's and it's believed that Lydia is the homeowner who started the small group that the church in Philippi started at so look at the interconnectedness of the situation that God is bringing these men through listen do you know what we would have you know what we would be missing as Christians if the church of Philippi had never been started We'd be missing the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians that tells Christians, I can do all things who strengthen me, right? The book of Philippians that contains some of the most powerful promises that a Christian can proclaim in their life. God didn't just need Paul and Silas to be imprisoned for them and for Lydia and for, and for the jailer. God needed Paul and Silas to be imprisoned for you. Woo, look at the reach that God used in the way he leveraged their complicated situations, their confrontational situations, and their conversational situations to create a change in your life. If the church of Philippi had not been started, where would our church be today? 
If the book of Philippians that contains these promises, how would you know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? There's a purpose in his plan. There's a power in his redirection. But that power is unleashed through your willingness to be used by God in unexpected spaces. I want to ask you as we close, who in your life is being denied transformation because of your unwillingness to experience conversation? Who in your life is being denied restoration because you're avoiding confrontation? Who in your life is being denied liberation because you're avoiding complication? The spaces you create are powerful, family. What if you are preventing life and power from the people around you because it's contained in the untapped potential of the spaces that you refuse to enter into? God, as we end today, Father, we sit in the presence of your conviction, the movement of your spirit, because we recognize, Lord, that there's actually much more than we could ever ask or imagine that you truly can exceed and exceed so abundantly. God, we often recognize our midnights, our stocks, our chains as inhibitors to your movement. But Father, today we claim power in the praise that we can experience and proclaim in the fellowship of one another. God, I pray for those individuals here who feel crippled by the experiences they've had that have told them they are not good enough, that they are not ministers, that they don't know enough, or the churches that they've come from that have hurt them, that have uh, abused them, that have taught them that you need to live a certain way, dress a certain way, have a certain type of attendance and tithe giving to be a minister. God, I want to pray that you break those chains of bondage, that you that you alienate those lies into spaces that are never, never to be touched and felt. Again, God, I pray that you empower your people today, that the spaces that we create and enter into, that the spaces we experience are ones that glorify you, edify your kingdom, and heal your people. proclamation of faith, God, that where two or more are gathered, the Spirit will be with them also. Thank you for having dwelt with us in this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.